welcome to this edition of A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks. I'm John Morris. Bishop Parks, it's been a little bit since we've last recorded, and a lot has gone on in the news, both uh, locally and around the country. Uh, First of all, we had Hurricane Michael roll through the state, and knowing that you spent a lot of time in the panhandle, that's got to touch home for you. It it does, John. Uh, First of all, it's good to be with you. And yeah, I mean, as I've been watching the news reports from the, the panhandle there, specifically Panama City Beach, Panama City, Mexico Beach, Uh, Port St. Joe, Uh, those are all areas that I know very, very well and have visited all the parishes there many times and driven through those areas. And boy, I'll tell you to see uh, on the news what's happened there, it's almost unrecognizable. This was truly a life-changing storm, and I would say a landscape-changing storm for that area. Of course, the most important thing is uh, the tragedy of the loss of life due to the hurricane. But, of course, now uh, that area is faced with the difficult task of rebuilding, rebuilding not only buildings, houses and businesses and churches, but rebuilding lives uh, that have been very damaged by this by this storm. I know that you made a lot of friends when you were up in the Panhandle. Have you heard from any of them? Have you talked to Bishop Walk? I have uh, spoken with Bishop Walk, who's now the bishop in Pensacola, Tallahassee. Of course, expressed before the storm my my prayers and concern for all in the diocese there. Uh, And then since the storm, I've been in contact with him to see how he's doing and to see how the the diocese is doing. It's just a, a massive job now of, you know, first of all, trying to meet immediate needs that people have for just the basic necessities for for food, for water for basic supplies that we take for granted every day. All these things are gone for, for many people there. Trying to assess the damage that's been done to church property. I know that there were, I believe, at least four parishes in the diocese there that were suffered major damage during the storm, and I know at least one was completely destroyed. Wow. Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico Beach. It's going to be a long, long process ahead. I, I've assured the bishop there of our prayers and support that they might have strength as they move forward. I know that you sent a, a note out to all the parishes that uh, collections would be taken up and offertories for the people in the panhandle. Yes, uh, those will be taken up during the next two weekends, so this coming weekend and the weekend following. This week, I, I did already send a check on behalf of our diocese and our people to Bishop Walk in the Panhandle just to, to assist with immediate and basic needs that they might have. And then once we take up the collections, I'll be sending an additional uh, offering to them to assist. We live in a very cynical world. We see a lot of division and just infighting amongst people. But when tragedy strikes, there are people that come out of the woodwork that want to do anything to help their fellow man. That's so true. And national tragedies, natural disasters, they tend to bring out both the best as well as the worst in human nature. The worst in that there are unfortunately individuals that take advantage of these situations and engage in looting and that sort of behavior, which is reprehensible that somebody would would do that during a time of tragedy and need. But on the other hand, it brings out the best in human nature in that, uh, you know, we see people just stepping up, volunteering time, making donations, giving food, giving water and supplies, just giving of their time to help the process of beginning to clean up. And they do so not because they're going to get anything in return. They may not even be thanked, but they do it because it's the right thing to do to help each other during difficult times. 
we will certainly keep, as you said, uh, all of the people in the Pensacola Tallahassee Diocese in our prayers and continue to keep the people in the Carolinas in our prayers as well for the things that they have been through. Recently, you went to Texas for the big Encuentro gathering in Grapevine, Texas. How did that go? It was an incredible four days. Uh, As you said, it was in Grapevine, which is in the Diocese of uh, Fort Worth. And just for those who don't know, the Encuentro, this was the fifth national Encuentro, is a national gathering of Hispanic leaders from dioceses all over the country, including a delegation of 25 from here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg. And what we were doing there is, first of all, celebrating our faith, but also looking to the future uh, to recognize that our Hispanic, Latino, Catholics have many gifts to offer to the church, that they're a vital part of our church, and that they're a blessing. And so how can we utilize those gifts, recognize them, celebrate them, and then set kind of a a roadmap forward as to how we can better engage them as well as uh, minister to, to them? Are there any concrete ideas that we'll be bringing back here to the Diocese of St. Petersburg? Well, the work was done at the Encuentro, so there were a lot of breakout groups where ideas and thoughts were put forth. All that will be compiled, and a final document from the National Encuentro will be issued. We'll receive that. And what we're going to do is actually look at it in light of our vision, courageously living the gospel to see how we can connect on a local level, local basis with those national initiatives. A lot of the things that we are focusing on in our vision, things like evangelization, ministry to families, of course, uh, ministry and outreach to young people and young adults, these are also concerns of the Hispanic Latino community. So uh, those, those two visions very much parallel each other. Now, you were in Texas for that event But just this past weekend, as we're taping, there was a big gathering. It's the annual gathering of the Hispanic Mass, uh, celebrating all the Latino cultures at the Cathedral of St. Jude. That's correct. Uh, On Saturday, we had our annual Hispanic Mass at at our Cathedral of St. Jude, uh, which brought together a, a very, very diverse group of Hispanics and Latinos. As you know, they come from many countries, and each country has its own particular culture, customs, and traditions. So it, I, I would say it was a very joyful celebration. Colorful. Uh, colorful <laughs> celebration, and uh, really just brought together and, and was a public expression of the rich diversity that exists here in our diocese. Is that something that when you were a priest in Orlando or, or Pensacola, Tallahassee as a bishop, did they do that in those dioceses as well? Some dioceses have uh, multicultural masses okay. where— Uh, It would also include, for example, Filipino Catholics, Vietnamese Catholics, Korean Catholics, Polish, and so on and so forth. So this was just focusing on the Hispanic Latino community here in our diocese. But again, there's so much to celebrate with our diversity here. And, you know, I say colorful because everybody, as I recall, I didn't go to this year's, but I've been to them in the past, brings in their flags and their banners representing their different countries. And I believe this year... Uh, usually there's a focus on a particular Our Lady of whatever that country might be. And this year, I think it was Columbia. It, it was. So you're correct. The celebration begins actually with a parade of flags from the different countries, followed by the rosary in Spanish. And that leads into the celebration of Mass. And uh, the Mass is in honor of uh, usually one of the patron titles of our Blessed Mother from a particular country. This particular Mass was the patroness of Colombia, 
I, I wouldn't dare to uh, try pronounce. to <laughs> pronounce uh, her title or her name in Spanish because I would offend the <laughs> Hispanic people. But it was a, a very joyful celebration. Oh, that's good. So speaking of celebrations, you also got to go to Rome uh, at the beginning. I think it was the end of September, first part of October for a big celebration and ordination. Very much so. Yeah, it was a joy to to travel to Rome. And my reason for going was to be present for the ordination to the diaconate of one of our seminarians, uh, now Deacon uh, Ralph D'Elia. Ralph is a student, a seminarian at the North American College in Rome, and he was ordained with 39 of his classmates. There were a total of 40 that were ordained at St. Peter's Basilica. So I was able to be present for that along with other bishops and cardinals and several thousand people that that traveled to Rome for the occasion. So it was good to be there, and you know, it brought back memories for me. I I myself was actually ordained at St. Peter's Basilica, a deacon, 20 years ago uh, this year. So it kind of brought back a lot of memories. Did you get to see the Holy Father? I did. I I was able to attend the Wednesday general audience, uh, which is held each week at this time of the year. It's in St. Peter's Square. Beautiful day. I got very lucky, John. The weather was perfect. (laughs) And Rome can be kind of warm and hot this time of year, but actually the weather broke and it was probably in the 70s during the day and 50s at night. Anyway, a beautiful Wednesday morning uh, audience in Rome. And after the audience, uh, the bishops that were present were able to go up and to actually greet the Holy Father. Did you get to say anything or just... It's it's a very short (laughs) encounter or meeting, probably no more than 20 to 30 seconds. And really all I did was I introduced myself uh, where I was from, uh, just assured the Holy Father of our prayers, you know, during this time. And I did all of that in English. Uh, As you know, the Holy Father speaks English, though it's not his preferred language. Uh, But he did say to me in English, he said, you know, thank you. And he said, pray for me, uh, was really the only thing that he said to me. It's been a tough time for him as well. Tough time for the Holy Father and, of course, a difficult time for our church. So we know that he's praying for us. And we, uh, as we do every time we celebrate Mass, we pray for him. When you came back, you had a chance to go to the convocation, the priest convocation there at Bethany Center, where all of our priests of the diocese, or a great many of them anyway, get together to share in brotherhood, fellowship, meals, a little bit of downtime, but it's also an educational time as well. Sure is. As you said, a a once a year opportunity for us to share some, some fellowship and friendship and prayer as priests here in our diocese and myself as the bishop with them. But we also always have a, a program uh, which we, in which we try to educate or to inform our priests and help them in their ministry. This year, in conjunction, and it was very providential with our vision, the topic was youth and young adult ministry. And the two presenters we had, Mark Hart, who is also known as the Bible Geek, for those who mm-hmm. follow him on uh, Sirius XM and other venues, and then Joel Stepanek, who also works for Life Teen. So, uh, they came in and, and they were able to uh, to present, I think it was over a three-day period. And in speaking with the priests, I was, unfortunately, I was not able to be present for every session, but in speaking with the priests, they found it very helpful. I was going to ask you if it was well-received. Sometimes parishioners and parents, even the youth say, well, uh, you know, Father and I don't connect, especially for the young people, unless it's a younger priest or something of that nature. Do you think it was well-received by the guys? I really do. You know, John, I I would say one of the things that was inspiring to me was to see not only our younger clergy there, 
but to see more senior members of our clergy there. I mean, monsignors and priests that have been around for for a long time, that, that they still were there and they were attending the sessions and they were learning. And that's inspiring to me. It just shows that we always, our, our life is a process of learning and that we never finish that, that journey. Every year, the priests of the diocese vote on one of their brother priests to receive a special recognition award. This year for the Louis de Cancer Award was Father Monsignor Anton Deckering. I know that uh, he wasn't able to be there, but it certainly is a, a, a nice feather in the cap, I'll say, uh, for the guys to recognize one of their own. It sure is. Uh, it's an annual opportunity to recognize a priest who is, you know, exemplary in their priestly ministry and has served our church and our diocese very well. So the, as you said, Monsignor Anton Deckering was the uh, received the award this year. He was ill and was not able to be with us, but we did actually call him uh, okay. during the the uh, dinner at which it was presented. So he was on speakerphone oh, cool. uh, as I was presenting the award, and we were actually able to get some comments from him. He was uh, very, very grateful for that. Yeah, and it's you know it's also I didn't know a lot about this, but I know that he's always been involved in scouting. So it's sort of a nice tie-in with the whole theme of youth. It sure is. Uh, as you said, very devoted to to scouting here in our diocese and um, need to pray for him. He's uh, you know going through a transition in his life and had recently had some health issues. So, uh, but, but certainly a nice honor to bestow upon him. There's a big gathering in Rome, a synod on youth that just, I think, was just completed or still may be going on. Some of that's also carrying into the Diocese of St. Petersburg. There's a big diocesan, national diocesan leadership meeting, I think, in December. So it seems to be there's a big focus worldwide on bringing young people back to the church. As you said, there is currently, as we speak, in Rome is the the synod for young people and their vocation. be interesting to see what comes out of those deliberations and, and that time. A lot of the young people have had opportunities to to share with the bishops and cardinals uh, leading up to this process and even there, their thoughts on their relationship with the church and how the church can uh, more effectively minister to our young people and young adults today who we seem to be losing. Uh, So one of the things that I've heard so far seems to be a, a very consistent theme is that of listening. We need to listen to our young people to and to try to meet them uh, where they are in their lives. They they want the truth. That they don't want to shy away from the truth. They want to hear the truth. But maybe it needs to be communicated to them in different ways today than maybe traditionally as we would do through catechisms and things of that nature. I think sometimes the young people might think that they're not listening to us, as you say, or they they're listening, but there's been no action that brings out the best in the young people. It's just another, hey, we'll get the youth to clean up the parish hall after whatever event. There's got to be more to it. And, I, and I'm and i hoping that something from this synod will uh, bring some fruit. Well, it's going to be valuable to us here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg because, again, our vision, Courageously Living the Gospel, focus on youth and young adult ministry is one of the major initiatives, goals that we have and trying to enhance our youth ministry that we provide at each parish and throughout our diocese, provide new opportunities for our young adults, those who are post-high school age, maybe into their mid-30s, to gather with other Catholic young adults or even non-Catholic young adults, but to learn about our faith, to share faith, and, and to share friendship. So, uh, it'd, be, it'd be good to see how uh, what, what comes out of that synod and how we can apply it locally here. 
Speaking of gatherings, October 27th. This is part three of our celebration of our 50th anniversary here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Part one was the the consecration to Mary at the cathedral. Part two was the anniversary mass back in June. And part three now is a vision that you had since you came to the diocese, a big social gathering at Al Lopez Park in Tampa. Yeah, that's correct. And that's going to happen on Saturday, October 27th. It's a um, free event. Uh, there's no cost for it. Be a wonderful day, uh, celebration really of our faith. Uh, Going to have some outstanding, well-known Christian artists there providing music. Uh, we have faith villages, ministry village. We have activities for uh, children and for teens. Uh, there'll be food. A lot of food. Uh, a lot of food will be there, <laughs> diverse kinds of food. We'll have priests there to answer questions about our faith. We'll also offer the Sacrament of Reconciliation throughout the day, time for adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. And I think the highlight of the day, we'll we'll conclude by celebrating the Eucharist, by celebrating Mass at 4 p.m. will be an outdoor Mass there at at Al Lopez Park. We want everybody to uh, get there early. starts at 10, so you want to be on the grounds 10, 10 10.30. There's a lot of uh, multicultural. We talked about that earlier in our program. Uh, There'll be some dancing and performing uh, as you said, there's a, there's a lot of kids' activities. Our parking can be had at Raymond James Stadium in Lot 2, Jesuit High School, St. Lawrence Catholic Church. If you have a disability permit, there is parking. It's going to be limited in the park, but you've got to have that state tag for disability in order to park in the park itself. And from those remote lots, there'll be shuttles available as well. So uh, you can take a shuttle, and you don't have to make that long walk. So... We, and we, but we've got to pray that there's no rain. <laughs> Certainly, John. Uh, I'm already praying and, and kind of peeking ahead at, at the, the weather forecast, forecast to, right. to see uh, what it's going to look like. I, I hear that in the coming week or so, it's supposed to get a little bit cooler, Boy, that uh, be nice? less humid. So that would be a great blessing from the Lord uh, for us. Have you ever done anything like this in other dioceses? Not of this size or magnitude. In fact, uh, uh, there's been diocesan gatherings where you maybe get a thousand, two thousand, even three thousand people, but uh, we're hoping and expecting to have well over ten thousand people attend this event throughout the day. So this is a historic event for the diocese of St. Petersburg and fits in well with our theme for this 50th anniversary. Remember, we wanted to look to the past with gratitude, celebrate the present with joy, and look to the future with hope. Uh, this is certainly going to be a day of joy want to remind you to, uh, while it's a free event, if you could bring some extra cash, we will be, uh, and canned goods, Catholic Charities will be collecting cans uh, of non-perishable food items for uh, the ministries up north, and, and we're, we're planning on taking an offering for our neighbors to uh, the north in Pensacola, Tallahassee Diocese, to uh, help those those people in need. For more information, you can go to familyfaithfest.org. Uh, Bishop, as we wrap up today, can we close with your blessing? Of course, John. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings which you have bestowed upon us as a local church and upon our people. We ask your continued blessing and guidance in our lives that we may always seek to do your will and that we may accomplish it for your glory. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.